Hello, and welcome to Northeast Christian Church's online service. We are so excited to have you here with us. Be sure to subscribe to NECC on all social media platforms. And to listen to our messages again, follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and YouTube. Thank you, and enjoy the rest of the service. Good morning. What a privilege. I want to thank Pastor Paul for this privilege, this opportunity that uh, I've been afforded to stand before you. But I want to open up in prayer. Father, we look to you because you've declared in your word that when we acknowledge you in all of our ways, it's you who directs our steps. Lord, you said as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. Your children are before you. We look to you. We look to you, Lord. And God, we ask for your wisdom, your guidance, Lord, your direction this day. Father, you've given me what to say, and I just ask God that nothing remains in me that you've assigned to this house. And Father, for this we'll be careful to always give you the praise, the glory, and the honor. For we ask this all in Jesus' name. And all of God's people said, amen. amen and amen. I bring you greetings from our general superintendent, Doug Clay. Doug's heart is to have a Pentecostal church in every community. That's known for three things, Bible engagement, spirit empowerment, and mission participation. It's going to take more than one generation to accomplish that, but that's his heart. And so I am here to address that third leg, mission participation. You see, it's a miracle that I stand before you here today. I've been in three different foster homes from the age of seven to the age of 18. One of the things that's so pronounced in those foster homes is the discipline was with an extension cord. So every time I look and I see extension cords, it reminds me of how I was not disciplined, beaten with those cords where it would break the skin and you would swell up. It made me a very angry individual. And so at the age of 18 in one of those homes, I just ran away, ran away and just lived a reckless life as a result of that. And so when a gun was put to my head, nothing happened. When a knife was plunged in my side, God spared my life. I was told that I would not live to be 21, <laughs> but God, but God. And I share that with you because there are individuals that you'll see as you drive the cities of Boston, the surrounding areas where you look and say, oh, God, help that individual. But there's no way of knowing the potential and promise that that individual has until they're brought into faith with Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. And so what I'd like to do, <clears throat> because missions, this is your mission month is what I understand. Is that right, Pastor Thomas? Mission month. I stand before you today because mission it, it, mission came after me. Missions came after me. Missions is, it's the bloodline. It's, it's the life of the church. 
all throughout the book of Acts, missions is the primary focus. And so Acts 1.8, I want to address that this morning. I'm going to stay in that one verse, that one verse. It says so much concerning missions, and I want to share that with you. Acts, first chapter, verse 8. Here's the process by which missions is accomplished. Acts 1.8, it says, But ye will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be, you, it's not a might to it, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem. That's a city. God's heart is for the cities. In Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, into the uttermost parts of the earth. You see, God's heart of compassion is for missions. Huh? It's for missions. And so I want to engage you in three key components. Three key components when missions is pursued. Let me give all three and then we'll unpack it. The provision for missions. That's number one. Number two, the priority of missions. And then number three, the perseverance, the perseverance required in missions. That first key, the provision for missions. Guess what missions is not? I want you to hear me on this. Guess what missions is not? Missions is not about finances. I want that to seek in. See, I'm not saying that finances isn't needed. As a matter of fact, thank God for finances. That's why the lights are on. That's why the heat is up and, and bills are paid. And, and the list can go on and on and on. And so we need finances to operate. I get that. Finances, it plays a very important and necessary part. However, the provision for missions is not finances. All right, then what is it? The provision for missions is partnership. It's partnership. And in that partnership, guess what? We're not limited by finances. We're not limited by finances. The apostle Peter told the crippled man who begged at the gate, silver and gold have I none. I don't have any money. I don't have any finances, but such as I have. You see, I'm in partnership with the Holy Spirit. Such as I have, I give unto thee. Arise up and walk. Rise up and walk. I don't have the finances. I don't have what you're looking for, but baby, I have what you need. Huh? I have what you need. And rise up and walk. A medical doctor by the name of Lily B. Omen wrote, Here's what she wrote. God has forever tied himself to human cooperation for the execution of divine purpose. In order for God's purpose to be executed, somebody has to cooperate. I said somebody has to cooperate. Listen to the Tower of Babel. It reveals the power of partnership. The power of partnership. 
Notice what the Lord says about the potential of their partnership. I'm bringing up verse 6, the 11th chapter. The Lord says, if as one people speaking the same language, they have begun to do this, then nothing, nothing they plan to do will be impossible for them. Let me read that again. This is God speaking, and he's speaking about a people who have not aligned themselves with him. God is speaking about a people who are just coming together to do, to build this tower. It wasn't about him. It was about them. But God points out the potential and the power of partnership. He says, if as one people speaking the same language, they've begun to do this, then nothing they plan to, nothing they, nothing, nothing they plan to do will be impossible for them. Brothers and sisters, what could we accomplish through missions? If we as a people of God would partner with the Holy Spirit with the same fervor, with the same desire with the same passion that these individuals join with one another. What could we do? Because the Lord says nothing we plan to do would be impossible. You, you see what I'm saying? It's, it's not just finances. I, mean, I get the finance part, but that's not the provision. The provision is partnership. See, finances has never been an issue. Scripture tells us he provides seed. He provides seed to the sower. Does he not? You see, the harvest is plentiful. What's lacking is partnership. That's what's lacking. Satan, you a lie. You better leave that <laughs> flying around my head. Listen, listen to 2 Corinthians 5.20. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, because we're partnering with him. We're Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. Through who? Through who? Oh, now let's make it personal. Through who? Through who? Through you. Remember, we are his witnesses. We're his witnesses. So let that light shine. Amen? Let that light shine. So as, the, as God was making his appeal through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be ye reconciled. That's partnership. All throughout, we've missed that. It's partnership. As witnesses, we're called to partner with the Holy Spirit in bringing in the harvest. Missions is more, hear me on this, missions is more than, than signing a pledge form and passing the responsibility of the Great Commission onto somebody else. Ah, uh-uh, it's more than that. It's about partnership. That's what it's about. Partnership. You see, we are his witnesses. Notice what partnership in, in Psalms 2.8. 
He says, asked of me. This is God. He's talking to you, you and I. Asked of me, and I will give you. I'll give you the heathen for your inheritance and the uttermost parts of the earth for your possession. All you need do is partner with me and then ask me. It's partnership. Mission provision is what? Oh, you, uh-uh, no, no, you got to do better than that. Missions provision is partnership. That's what it's about. The second key component is priority. We know what part, we know what, we know what the provision is. We got that. We know that when it talks about provision, God is putting each one of us, he's given us an assignment. Each one of us have an assignment. Amen? Priority. Jesus gives us his priority in the latter part of that verse. We're still in verse 8. Jerusalem and all of Judea and Samaria into the uttermost parts of the earth. Guess what, brothers and sisters? It's not multiple choice. It's not multiple choice. A lot, a lot of our giving is, is multiple. God's, no, 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 no. It's not either or. It's all four. Huh? If it's, no, no, no. It's not just Jerusalem. It's not just the uttermost parts of the earth. I am just, I thought about this this morning. I am just as responsible for Massachusetts as I am for Madagascar. I am just as responsible for Illinois as I am Indonesia. Same responsibility. We break it up. But that, that's not scriptural. That's not scriptural at all. We don't have the option of dividing it up. It's Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria, the uttermost parts of the earth. For God so loved. Huh? There you go. God so loved the world. The world includes foreign as well as U.S. That's world missions. There's no boundaries listed in that scripture. There are no lines drawn. You know, whosoever, it doesn't say where, I mean, it's like whosoever, wherever you find them. It doesn't say wheresoever, it's whosoever. Whosoever, let them come. Let them come. You see, in God's economy, missions has no boundaries. Missions is not a program either. Missions is not a convention. Put your rocks away. Missions is not something we focus on once a month. Missions is a lifestyle. That's what missions is. It's a lifestyle. Home as well as, well as form. Yes, I know what my responsibility is for U.S. missions, but when I'm standing, missions, it's the world. It's foreign as well as U.S. That's world missions. You see, missions is God's love language. It's God's love language. How many of you read that book by, uh, is it Gary? Gary Chapman, The Five Love Languages? Okay. Let me tell you something. I've always had a beautiful relationship with Maria. 
But when I read that book and recognized that her love language was not the way I was loving her, I was loving her out of my love language. All right? But when I discovered that her love language was acts of service, guess what? I began to love her out of her love language, and I found, I, first of all, I uncovered. And then I discovered that there were things in Maria that I wasn't even enjoying. I thought we had this great relationship, but I found that, man, this, whoa, I've tapped into it. It was awesome, and it's still awesome. And so here's, here's what, when I, when I understood that, I thought, well, if, if missions is God love language, and I've got a great, I feel like I've got a great relationship with God, but if I engage in missions, then I'm going to tap into, uncover, and discover a part of God I didn't even know exist. Huh? It's his love language. Why? Because it's people. Missions is people. It's people. The United States has become the third largest and challenging mission field, third to China and India. That's right, right here. This we've, It used to be a donor base, and it still is, but it's also a mission field. It's also a mission field. The harvest is ready, and we've been commissioned to go. The key and final component is the perseverance. <laughs> the perseverance. Here's where the rubber meets the road. It's going to take perseverance. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria. Samaria. It's going to take perseverance to reach Samaria. There's a modern-day Samaria in our cities. There's Samaritans all around us. You see, the Jewish community avoided traveling through Samaria because there was intense hostility. There was intense hatred. They were like, they were the dogs, okay? They, they were outcasts. Who, I mean, who wants, no one would go through Samaria. They would go around Samaria to, to reach their destination. It's like us today. Instead of going through a certain neighborhood, we drive way out of our way as not to pass through that neighborhood. You know what I'm talking about? Maybe it doesn't happen here, but it does where I'm at. The same hostility exists today in our world that existed with the Jews and the Samaritans. The Samaritan culture of our day speaks of the disenfranchised, the alcoholics, the drug addicts, the LGBTQ community. It even includes the wealthy who feel like we have no need of God. I have everything I need. Those are the Samaritans. That's our Samaria. But guess what, brothers and sisters? Jesus died for the Samaritans. He died for our modern-day Samaria. Amen? You get that. You get that. Listen to John 4. 4. It says, speaking of Jesus, now he had to go through Samaria. He had to go through Samaria. I like the way the King James puts it. King James says, he must go through. He must go through Samaria. Samaria. 
Just think about his disciples now. Why are we, why are we going through Samaria? Why would anybody go through Samaria? Man, there's carjacking in Samaria. You can get mugged in Samaria. Why would we go through there? Why do we want to touch those people? Man, it's not safe going through Samaria. But Jesus had to, must go through. Why? Because it was, it was, here, listen to this. It wasn't just for the woman at the well. That, 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 yeah, that, it was for her. But the primary reason was to confront the prejudiced mindset of his disciples. That was the real reason. That's, that's what drove that. Why? Because Jesus knew there was no way he could leave the ministry in the hands of a people who were prejudiced, bigots, and had these attitudes towards those who were not like them. So it was for them. It was for them. Wow. Don't miss that. Don't miss that. In order to complete his mission, Jesus had to confront their mindsets. And he shows us in this, in entering in, that there are barriers. He's showing them, guys, there are barriers you're going to have to overcome. Your first barrier is racial. You're going to have to, if you're going to carry out the mission that God has given me, you're going to have to overcome that barrier. You have to overcome that racial barrier. Yes, you have to overcome it. You're going to have to overcome the, that gender barrier as well. Jesus talking with, she says, you a man talking to me, a woman, what's, what's this about? You're going to have to overcome that. Men, you are not better than, than they are. That's why we had the whole women's live and the whole bit because men putting themselves over the women. Man, if it wasn't for a woman, you wouldn't even be here. We forget that part. No, you were not. You didn't come out in the tube and, you know. Anyway, let's move on. So, they, they you know, yeah, I'm, I ain't feeling no love, so let me move on. It, anyway, there's that re the religious barrier. The religious barrier. The cultural barrier. He's, he's teaching him. He says, and, and, and you're going to have to also overcome their issues. Those barriers. Her issue was, you know, with all these husbands she's had, now she's shacking up with a guy who wasn't her husband. Well, there are other issues. Drugs. Those who just, man, they, I just got, I'm not, I'm not an alcoholic. I just like to get drunk every day. You, you're going to have to deal with those kind of issues. There's a, there's a list of issues, and, I, you know, you know them. You know them, okay? Now, we too, as the church, is being confronted with all of the different cultures and issues that are coming into making the United States the third largest mission field. We too are being confronted with this. We cannot ignore the communities that God has called us to reach. Jesus told his disciples in the 35th verse of that John 4, open your eyes open your eyes look at the fields what was he saying you see i don't feel responsible for what i don't see 
And so that's why we don't go into Samaria. Because I don't, I don't know what's going on. Did you know? No, I ain't here. Uh-uh. If I don't see it, I'm not responsible. But when I see it, then God opens my eyes. And all of a sudden now, I have to respond. I have to respond. You know, we are constantly saying, God, send the rain. How many of you have been praying for a revival? Come on, come on. How, how you, uh, do we want to see revival? And we're saying, God, send the rain. Send the rain of your revival. Send the rain of your presence. There's a scripture. This has nothing to do with my notes. That's why I was looking at the time. Let me, let me bring this up. It's in Genesis, the second chapter. Genesis, the second chapter. Verse, verse 5. All right, here's what it says. I'm reading out of the NIV. It says, now no shrub had yet appeared on the earth. No plant had yet sprung up. When I see the word sprung up, that means there was something there, but it had not sprung up. You understand that? All right, no plant had yet sprung up. Why? For the Lord had not sent rain on the earth. That's why it hadn't sprung up. God had not sent rain. But there was a reason God had not sent rain. It goes on to say the reason God hadn't sent rain because there was no one to work the ground. There was no man. We're praying for God to send the rain of his presence. But God is saying, I look for a man to stand in the gap. I'm looking for partnership. If we would partner with God, God would send the rain. God God wants to revive it a lot more than you want it because God sees the souls that are slipping into eternal damnation. God wants to plunder hell so that he can populate his heaven. And so we're not asking God for something he doesn't want to give us. We don't realize the responsibility we have in the asking. Yeah. Proverbs 29, 18 declares, where there is no vision, the people perish. If you don't have a vision to reach your Samaria, guess what? They perish. They perish, and we will be held accountable. You see, Samaria is Hale's gated community. It's a gated community whose inhabitants are locked into darkness. Brothers and sisters, I have not come for a response. So, I mean, every time I get an amen, that's good. But that's not what I've come for. I'm here for your learning. I'm here for your learning. I want you to understand that God has great things to take place in this church. And how do you know that? Because you're his people. I know that. I can declare that with confidence. Great things for this church because you're his people. I had the opportunity to speak to, uh, I want to give you what this, when I say a Samaritan, it's a true story. Jerry Ratliff and Paul. Jerry Ratliff next, next door to Paul, who was a Samaritan. 
He hated, I, 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 I say he hated. He was like, well, he really didn't. No, no. He hated church. He hated God. He hated God's people. And Jerry lived next door to him. And guess what? Jerry was a believer. And instead of Jerry walking around his Samaria, Jerry walked through his Samaria. He would see Paul leaving and going to work. Hey, how you doing? Paul, like, yeah. Then Paul found out that Jerry was one of those. Now, he didn't want him in his house. But Jerry understood there's an assignment upon my life. There's an assignment upon my life. And that man needs to know God. And so Jerry kept going. He would, you know, he, he did. He, 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 in the story, he got on Paul's nerves. Paul wanted to get high, and then Jerry shows up. Oh, God. All right. But then Paul, Jerry found out that Paul's wife had accepted Christ. But that Paul had stopped her from going to church. Not only did he stop her from going to church, but he stopped her from praying. He told her, I don't want to hear prayer in this house. That was his intense hatred towards the church. Stopped her from going to church, didn't want her praying. It says, I don't want to see a Bible. So he found a Bible and he gave it to Jerry. Here, your wife could read this because my wife won't be reading it. What Paul found out later is that Jerry's wife gave, sucked the Bible back to his wife. But, but what stands out is that Jerry continued to pray and reach out to Paul. And I can announce today <laughs> that Paul not only bent his knee and bowed his heart to serve Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior, but today God is using Paul to preach the gospel he was so adamantly against. God is using Paul to lift up the name of Jesus, the name that he was always against. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God is great. We sung that. He won't. He won't. He won't. Whew. I'm Paul. I'm the guy that Jerry kept coming to my house. That's me. Yeah. Yeah. It's me. Missions found me through Jerry. Samaria is full of people like me. They're angry. They're bitter. They're hurt. But they need Jesus. They could be, you could have a Samaritan in the next cubicle. 
maybe across the street. God wants to speak through the Samaritan people, but he needs a voice. He needs a voice. John the Baptist says, I'm the voice. I'm the voice of one crying in the wilderness. I'm not doing the crying. The cry is coming from heaven, but I'm giving the voice. The cry from heaven is, I need partners. And God is saying, would you partner with me? And if you're going to partner with me, can I use your voice? Can I use your voice? Because I, I, want, I want that individual across the street or that individual next cubicle. I want that pe the people in that city. I, I want them to know that I love them. I want them to know that I'm quick to forgive. I, all I want them to do is to repent. But, but I need a voice to tell them. I need a voice. That's what God needs. In other words, I've come to ask you, this morning, will you give him your voice? Now, let me say this, and I'm closing. You can say, <laughs> I don't even like them people. Right, let's get real, okay? Let's get real. I don't even like those people. I've had, I've had issues with them when they hurt one of my, or whatever. Uh-uh, I ain't going. Remember Jonah? God says, I want you to be a voice. Jonah's like, uh-uh, I don't like those people. I'm, uh, the reason I'm going in the opposite direction, because if they don't repent, you'll kill them. And that's what I want to see happen. Now, I know we don't, we don't have that feeling as Christians, you know, but it's out there. And so you don't have to like them. Just like Jonah. You don't have to like them. You don't, ha you don't have to. You don't even have to want them to go to heaven. You, you might look, Lord, they need all of me to burn in hell. That might be your mindset. But he can still use your voice. Did you, did you hear me? He can still use your voice. That's all he wants. He don't care how you feel about them. I guess he does care. He wants you to change that. But I want you to understand, that does not stop you from being a voice the way you feel or what you think or what you think they deserve. I want you to think about what I'm going to ask you to do. And I would respect you more if you don't do it when you really don't have the desire to do it. But if you would say, I'm going to make myself a voice. God, if God's got to give me what I lack. And if God gives me what I lack, then I'll be that voice. I'm, you, might, you might even say, I ain't going for him. If God bring him to me, okay. That's, all right, let's do that. All God wants is to use your voice. If you would lend God your voice, I want you to stand to your feet all over this congregation.
And if you're not going to lend him, your, think about, I want you to think about this. Because when I pray, this is going to happen. I'll respect you more if you say, you know what, uh-uh, I stood up because he did. I'm sitting back down. There's nothing wrong with that. That's just where we're at. There are times that things are, hey, man, who's going to give this? I ain't giving that, so I don't give anything. Lord, you see your people. They're asking you to lead them. One of my opening scriptures is that as many who are led by the Spirit of God, they're the sons of God. Lord, I pray that you would utilize their voice to awaken, awaken faith. Awaken destiny in those that you place them in front of. Utilize their voices, Lord, to bring glory and honor to your name. Utilize their voices, Lord Father, to bring that man back into his family, to be the father and the husband that wife and children needs. Utilize their voices, oh God, to drop, pull away from pornography to leave the bottle, leave the drugs. Utilize their voices, Father. Give them ears to hear the cry of heaven. And then, Father, you point them to that individual. Give them a heart to continue to pray until the heart is softened, and then you lead them there. They're standing here before you, Father, asking you to use them. I pray, God, an anointing on their lives. <laughs> I pray an anointing upon their lives, Lord. You begin to, there's some that you've already awakened. You've already given them the individual. They already see them. And so, Lord, I pray that you open the door for that encounter. And I give you the glory and the honor in Jesus' name. Pastor Thomas. It's humbling. It's humbling to know that our neighbors to the left and to our right need us more than ever. One of the most privileged times that I had when I was growing up before I started my undergrad was every Monday. Uh, Brother Ted and Sister Abby used to get the church bus and we'd go to the inner city and we'd pick up as many kids as we can be able to fit in that bus. Sometimes uh, an illegal number <laughs> of kids. But we had 15, 20, 30 children come to church who would never have had the opportunity to. And we loved on them. More than giving them the word of God, we loved on them. And they knew that they were loved with the love of Christ. And that is what this message is calling us to do. It's calling us to be a voice of love, to be the only Bible that a person may open. And Brother Malcolm, I thank you for that message.
because it is something that we forget too many times. Stay if you want to stay. Pray in your seat or at this altar. But before you leave, take some time and reflect on the message and what God is doing in our hearts. He started it in song, and I believe he is sealing it again with a song. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, we come before you right now. I pray for these people, those who are here in person and those who are online. May you seal and conclude this message with your spirit as we start it. And may we truly understand that we must go into the city the same way that we go out into the other parts of the countries of the world. We give you glory, honor, and praise in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine upon you and give you peace. We'll see you next week. Thank you again for being with us today. To listen to all of our messages, follow us on Apple Podcasts, YouTube, and Spotify, and go to lowellag.org or ne-cc.org to keep up with all of our news, updates, and events. Thank you, and God bless.